The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting Pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and joining me today is our co-producer, Bahati Banks. Bahati. Hey. hey, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Doing How are you? Wonderful. I'm doing great. It's uh, springtime. We're entering into springtime. Oh, yeah. Feels like summer already down here. But <laughs> um, anyway, so if you've ever had kidney stones, oh. have you ever had kidney stones? Uh, no, thankfully so. And I'm going to knock on our desk. Right. So it's so it's never, never going to happen. Me too. So I've never had kidney stones, but... I am deathly afraid of kidney stones because... Because they sound painful. (laughs) They are painful. (laughs) Uh, And if you've ever had them, you know how painful passing them can be. Oh, my gosh. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most painful, most people people will rate the pain as 10 plus because of the size, depending on the size of the kidney stones, it could just... Oh my gosh! From what from what I understand Mm. is that uh, passing a kidney stone, at least Mm -hmm. for a man, is Mm -hmm. is comparable, or so they say, to To labor. labor. (laughs) That's 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 what I've heard. Allegedly, allegedly. (laughs) But it is a very very serious. I mean, and it could pass for over either days or weeks. But when it passes. Mm-mm. You've never felt something never so felt something like so, so satisfying. Exactly. <laughs> so, in honor of March being <laughs> National Kidney Month, today's show will focus on a disturbing trend pediatrician and pediatric kidney specialists um, have been reporting on for several years, and that is a rise in kidney stones in children. Wow. I know. Now, of course, it's, 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 I'm going to assume it's all the milk and the cereals and the, and the cheeses. We will find out. That's why we invited our um, very own Dr. Ivy Boydston. She's a pediatric nephrologist at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Oh. And she's going to talk to us more about this disturbing trend. This is starting increasing trend. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. Um, before we get to today's guest, we'll be talking about the following topics in today's coffee chat. One, unvaccinated teens fighting for the right to immunization and five secrets to healthy kidneys. And that first topic is really, really fascinating. Oh, of course, it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you know, there's, there's a, there's a slight trend of, 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 on, on, what's it called? On, on unvaccinated. Uh, or uh, anti-vaxxers. Anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is an interesting thing that we're, we're a, a adolescent or a teen yeah. can be upset, you yes. know, that, that it wasn't done for them. Yes. And um, that's that's interesting. It'd be very interesting. We're going to get more into that during our coffee chat. Absolutely. <laughs> Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hi, I'm Bruce, security here at the hospital, and you're listening to the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, let's share what's making news in the parenting world. Bahati. Yes. So first up, unvaccinated teens fighting for the right to immunization. So Jason. Overruled. Overruled. No. Because you're a parent. That's it. Overruled. (laughs) So it's 
really fascinating. I don't know if you caught the article. My husband shared it with me. Um, it was on Reddit, and it was a question that was posed <laughs> by Reddit. I know, right? <laughs> by an 18-year-old. Had you heard about this uh, story? Mm-mm. So just to start off with some, some quick facts. In 2000, the CDC declared measles eliminated in the United States oh. due to highly effective um, vaccines, the MMR, which stands for measles, mumps, and rubella. It's the MMR vaccine. Unfortunately, between January 1st and February 28th of this year, over 200 individual cases of measles have been reported in 11 states. Really? Um, did you ever have measles? No, I only had the chicken pox. Me too. Yeah, um, I was six. And I was, yeah, I was in elementary school. Yeah. And it was a bunch of dots. It was scratchy. Right. And I basically gave it to my entire class. Right. So I think my dad gave it to me and my brother, unfortunately. And that was unfortunate because as an adult, it's supposed to be even more serious when you're an adult. And they say that if you have, um, if you get chicken pox, mm-hmm. it, you still have a trait. Is it for shingles? Yes. 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 And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so And you'll have that, 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 that trait in, the, in you for the rest of your life. Right, exactly. And that's part of how you are immunized for these diseases. Right. You're, you take these um, scheduled vaccines where you are basically injected with a very, very, very small um, trace yes, of a the... Yes, benign, benign version. Yeah, yeah, but that's how you prevent... Um, you prevent your your children and your adults getting these um, uh, contagious diseases. So the CDC actually recommends all children get doses of MMR vaccine mm-hmm. because unvaccinated children can contract or spread diseases like you did, mm-hmm. <laughs> such as measles. <laughs> Proudly. Which, right? no, no, no. <laughs> which can lead, unfortunately, to death in extreme cases. These are very um, highly contagious diseases, mm-hmm. obviously. So that's why we both were... Um, infected with them. Mm -hmm. So in November of last year, November of 2018, an 18-year-old, his name is Ethan Lindenberger, he gained attention when he posted a question on Reddit on how to get vaccinated, even when your parents are against it. Because... And I, just, I was fascinated. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, that, 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 but that's a good question, though. And it's, right. You know, that's a pretty good question. If your parent, in his case, mm-hmm. his parent, his mom is an anti-vaxxer, which mm-hmm. means it's this group of growing um, parents yes. who do not believe in giving their children vaccines. Well, yeah, because it, to get a little more specific, it's mm-hmm. because of what, what the solution is made of. It's a lot of synthetic stuff. And, and you know, there are unconfirmed reports that, that it can lead to other complications and so that that just that assumption alone mm-hmm. is what makes that is what's driving the movement because you're Correct. putting in a foreign body s- suspended in even more foreign bodies mm-hmm. so that's you know so earlier this week ethan spoke before the senate committee on health education labor and pensions about how he decided to get vaccinated against the wishes of his mother, who, like I said, is an anti-vaxxer. And a lot of these parents, they turn to social media sites like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, to share lots of misinformation about vaccines causing autism Mm -hmm. and brain damage, which obviously could discourage many parents from getting their children vaccinated. Um, This obviously uh, became a public outcry, and a letter from Representative Adam Schiff has led to Facebook considering removing anti-vaccination content from its recommendation systems as well as their Facebook groups. Um, the World 
Health Organization mm-hmm. also recently named vaccine hesitancy as one of the top global threats of 2019. But a recent investigation by The Guardian found that in Facebook's search results, vaccines were dominated by anti-vaccination pro- propaganda. So mm-hmm. again, this, you know, the, the whole concept of be- getting your children vaccinated is to protect them as well as the public of course from these highly contagious diseases and when you have this vaccine hesitancy because you're being informed on social media sites mm-hmm. it's not it is complete misinformation um, there have been many many research uh, studies that have not found a correlation between vaccinations and autism mm-hmm. we've all been vaccinated I was vaccinated you were vaccinated mm-hmm. um, everyone we work with um, has, has been vaccinated so it's it is it is a potentially um, damaging and dangerous. No, of course. I mean, uh, the history of the, of the vaccination uses in that, and you know, and, and with as many um, adolescents and kids that have been vaccinated um, in the system mm-hmm. for decades now, mm-hmm. if there really was a real issue there, mm-hmm. there'd be more than a few sporadic cases. That there, there's not enough evidence, and actually almost no evidence, to support um, reasons why you would not want to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But You'd yeah. be surprised how many how many people uh, you know come to my desk and say um, I'm here for the immunization exemption form, uh, oh. and it's 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 more than this year. I've noticed it's more than any previous year. Really? Yeah, they come they, because you know the health department does provide that, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And you've been in that role for about 14 years now. Yeah. Yeah, and this and is the first time this, you've actually. This is the first time I've I've noticed mm. it. It wasn't it wasn't as noticeable before, and mm-hmm. I say it didn't happen before. But mm-hmm. now, there is a quantifiable increase mm-hmm. that I've noticed mm-hmm. uh, weekly mm. that several um, parents, mothers actually, mm-hmm. um, coming in for the immunization exemption form, and I'm just like, hmm, that is that is interesting. So it really begs the question, like when you have children, in this case, a teen, mm-hmm. going against their parents' wishes. I think that it's a major watershed moment. It's a watershed moment because, because I mean, I guess for a teen to have control like that, yeah. you'd have to get yourself slightly emancipated. I I don't know. I'm not sure. That's because why this it, is such an interesting right, topic. Because, yeah, because yeah, if you're gonna if you're going to call the shots on your because your health on your health care mm-hmm. uh, as a minor, you mm-hmm. would have to then be recognized as as a emancipated minor mm-hmm. to be able to call that shot. Mm-hmm. Other than that, then your 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 parents they call the shots. They do call so the shots. I would love to follow up on this story because yeah. that's interesting. Where if that goes anywhere and where it goes mm-hmm. because that's. What if they grant like special circumstances to, to minors saying if you want to get vaccinated, this is your body. I see that happening. Mm-hmm. I honestly see that happening because you cannot. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have a child, you are a vessel. You mm-hmm. know, that's not you. That's your child. It's a completely separate individual from yourself. And it's as and some would say that it's a irresponsible parent who of would course. actually do that because again you're not only it's not only your child but you're putting the public at risk um, and I think in New York there were several um, hundred kids that had not been vaccinated that were actually pulled from school 
Oh. Yes. Um, so it's it's definitely something we should follow up on. Absolutely. Research for sure. So next up, five secrets to healthy kidneys. So again, the uh, March is uh, National Kidney Month. Ooh, yay. So we wanted to... Love that kidney. Yes, go over some tips um, and secrets to healthy kidneys. So the first, when you think about your kidneys, your kidney is a filter. Um, your kidney is a filter for your liquid waste. So the first thing you want to do is stay hydrated. Oh, and that's that's... That's a given. You know, that's a given. Drinking right. water. Right, right, right. So, of course, like four to six glasses of water uh, per day. You also want to eat foods to prevent diabetes and high blood pressure because both of these chronic conditions have been linked to kidney disease. Well, <clears throat> so eating healthy, too. Yeah. Is that kind of a no-brainer? It is a no-brainer. A little bit. You would think. In moderation. Of you would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, exercising to control your weight. Um, again, 60 minutes a day for kids, 20 minutes a day, or 150 minutes a week for adults. Um, again, you, you would say a no-brainer. And these are just kind of typical health and wellness tips. Yeah, but I find it interesting mm. that uh, it's more for children and less for adults. Mm -hmm. I think it's more for adults because, you know, our metabolism and our bodies are slowing slow. down. Very slow. And... I mean, you know, you know, kids can eat everything under the sun and stay shrimps. I, I find that interesting. But they also um, they're they're growing and they're oh, yeah. they're okay. a lot more okay. active. So they have to eat. I remember always being hungry as a kid, <laughs> <laughs> literally always wanting food. But at the same time, my metabolism was so quick. Right. You know, I would, that's why I was always hungry because you know your your body is constantly. Um, just you know burning 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 so um also you want to obviously limit your alcohol and don't smoke in moderation tobacco, of course right, everything right. in moderation mm -hmm. um and then if you're at risk for kidney disease you want to get screened um uh, for diabetes high blood pressure heart disease uh, if you have a family history of kidney disease and being african-american asian or native american or hispanic um and these are the populations who studies have shown that mm -hmm. they are typically at risk for kidney disease so you want to make sure you can you get screened for it as well well so just some quick tips that's all i like all it I absolutely i like it <laughs> before we get to today's guest here's a word from our sponsor patient and family-centered care at joe dimaggio children's hospital it's the difference you notice it's what you feel it's how we care and it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com slash Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Ivy Boydston. Hi. Welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's a Thanks pleasure so having you here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. The pleasure is all ours. Yes. So this month, March, is National Kidney Month. So we wanted to um, bring you to the show to talk about um, a, a, a growing uh, concern among a lot of pediatricians and um, pediatric nephrologists, kidney specialists, and that's the, the growing rise in kidney stones among children. But before we get started, Dr. Boydston, I wanted you to just share with our audience your role within the pediatric nephrology department at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Sure. Um, I'm part of an excellent and actually rapidly growing team. 
um, that cares for infants, children, adolescents who have kidney disorders, high blood pressure, metabolic bone diseases, but also other complex medical conditions. Mm. Since all, really, as you know, all the body systems are related and many things have an effect on the kidneys. Absolutely. Um, I care for infants and children um, with kidney failure also at the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital Dialysis Unit mm -hmm. and take care of kids before and after kidney transplant. Okay. And then, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to take care of patients both in the hospital and then as well as outpatients. So some of those kids I've never met before. Some I've followed for as long as I've been here. Some are the children of patients I took care of when I first no got way. here. And then I also, something that gives me a great deal of personal satisfaction is that besides taking care of some pretty intensive problems in the hospital, I get to see those children and families after they go home, mm. and, and that's very gratifying as well. Awesome. So Excellent. how long have you worked with the, for the hospital? I've been here for 10 and a half years. Oh, oh. my gosh. All right. That's amazing, though, when you can see the evolution of a family, like literally from a child to an adult. Now you're taking care of the no, Of course. That's yes. beautiful. Yes, that's it's wonderful. really, really nice. Aww. Excellent. So today we'll be discussing, of course, the Bahati said, the rise of kidney stones in uh, children and what parents can do to support their children. Uh, what are kidney stones and urinary stone disease? Well, as you mentioned, this is a really important topic, um, in part because I think it's more recognized as a medical problem and also because um, so many uh physicians as well as parents, nurse practitioners, are surprised to hear that urinary stones can and do occur in the pediatric population. Mm -hmm. I was surprised, um, actually, and the fact that it's even a rise, I didn't even know. Yes, and so um, among their many functions, the kidneys are responsible for filtering out waste products, excess fluid, and other substances in the blood that your body doesn't need, and all of these things are supposed to be sent out in the urine. Mm -hmm. So normally, there are minerals that are dissolved in the urine, and under certain circumstances or conditions, they can precipitate and form crystals. The crystals can come together, and they form stones, which are actually hard, rock-like substances. Wow. Um, while dissolved minerals, including calcium, um, tend to come together to form crystals, there are also substances in the urine that prevent mineral molecules from sticking together. Mm -hmm. So the amount of water in the urine plays a very important role here, as well as certain mm -hmm. chemicals, yes. especially things that your body um, extracts from fresh fruits and vegetables, but we'll get to that kind okay. of thing later. So urinary stone disease, we talked a little bit about kidney stones. Mm -hmm. Urinary stone disease occurs when the concentrated or dissolved minerals, um, the concentration's high enough for these crystals and then to form and then further aggregate into the stones. In some patients, um, these stones are due to high mineral content, but some have normal mineral content, but very low inhibitors of stone formation or structural problems wrong with their kidneys that cause um, urine flow to be very low in certain areas and cause stones to form. And then some of them are taking medications that cause stone disease. Mm. And then again, um, we say kidney stones, but really the stones can be in any part of the urinary tract. They usually, at least in the Western world, start in the kidneys, mm -hmm. and, but can move through the urinary tract and, and be found anywhere there. So what you're saying is that kidney stones can develop, because when I think kidney stones, I think just calcium. And I'll just say, okay, well maybe my child is 
having too much cereal, having too much milk, uh, you know, she just needs more water. But you're saying it's, it's more than just uh, calcium that, that crystallizes? Definitely. So calcium stones are about between 45 and 60% of all stones have some component of calcium. Mm-hmm. Most often calcium oxalate, which is what you often hear about in adults. Mm-hmm. But also you can have other forms of calcium. You can have uric acid stones. And then we have some stones that are either formed by um, organisms that cause infection. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also there are stones, especially in infants, that are formed from oh, metabolic man. diseases mm. of the body that excrete certain substances in the urine that aggregate into stones. I've never had um, any of those, any stones, but I can't imagine an infant developing any kind of one of those stones. That sounds painful. Wow. Yeah, beyond painful. Um, so is it true that historically... Kidney stones were primarily diagnosed in older white men who typically didn't drink enough water. They ate high salt uh, and protein diets and had other chronic conditions like diabetes and obesity. So that may actually still be true to some extent now. Okay. Um, in, in the United States, at least in adults, there are three times more men than women with stones for a number of different reasons. Wow. And white men are more likely to have stones than other ethnic groups in the United States. So all the risk factors that you mentioned, like not drinking enough water, so in other words, the urine is less dilute, so right. things get a chance to stick to each other, as well as high protein, which causes a change in the urine pH, as well as change in what actually ends up in the urine, and high sodium diets. Um, High sodium actually makes you lose more calcium in the urine, even if you have healthy, normal kidneys. Mm. So obesity also contributes, and there's a lot of debate in the literature as to how it contributes aside from the diet that goes into making some people obese. Mm. So really avoiding salty meats would be one of the preventative well, maybe. And one of the things that you said I wanted mm-hmm. to bring up is you said maybe my child has too much milk in their cereal mm-hmm. or they eat too much cheese. And actually, in children, while in adults, some adults do have or are felt to have calcium-containing stones because of too much absorption of calcium mm-hmm. from their diet or high calcium very high calcium um, supplementation. Mm-hmm. In children, we actually need them to have as much calcium right. as they mm-hmm. help, can have in their diet mm-hmm. okay. for their bones. bones yeah. your, your blood calcium level is kept at a very constant level, mm-hmm. in part by the kidneys, um, to make sure that your heart is beating normally, other things work normally, and so if you don't take enough in in your diet, Mm -hmm. you may still lose a lot in your urine, but it has to come from bone, and I know we're gonna touch on that a little bit later maybe, Mm -hmm. if we can come back to that. Absolutely. Um, But so it's not a matter of cutting back on protein. Your kids Mm -hmm. need protein, they need calcium. Mm -hmm. Most most kids need a lot more calcium than what they actually get, Mm -hmm. and I try to throw that information in to families that see me, even if they don't have stone disease and they're seeing me for something completely unrelated Uh vitamin d deficiency Mm. can can promote stone disease so Mm. there are a lot of things that aren't what you would classically think okay so according to the reports um there's a spike in uh children diagnosed with kidney stones um 
would you, in your expert opinion, have any idea what, what might be causing uh, this spike? Well, you're so right about this spike, and we always wonder when we hear about increased incidence of a disease, whether mm -hmm. it's a matter of more disease or more recognition. And mm -hmm. while there is a right. little more recognition, there really is um, an increase. And there have been any number of studies over every decade you see studies coming right. out and depending on which time period is is compared to one more modern all the way from israeli recruits which mm -hmm. tend to be 17 18 year olds mm -hmm. to other parts of the world and in the united states there's a two to three times more um, kids and adolescents with stones and that are admitted to the hospital with stones than there were in the past. So not just diagnosed with, but actual hospital mm -hmm. admissions are much higher than they were um, even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. That's really fascinating. So not just in the United States, but really worldwide. All over the world. That is really fascinating because you, you would... Well, right, because you're dealing with different diets and, right. and different uh, demographics, demographics and cultures. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, hmm. interesting. Well, and when you look at numbers, um, you know, when you're trying to see why is this, and we talked about recognition of disease, but I think more importantly has to do with modern life. So right. yes. if you look, um, while you can always relate to things that happen at the same time, Sometimes it's true, true, but unrelated. Right. right. So like you can use statistics to right. correlate things. Yeah. But yeah. there's definitely been a similar, although actually more impressive, rise in the amount of obesity in children oh, right. when you're looking right. at health. Yes. And it's not that it's just recognized more. There really is. And so yes. you look at stones and, and, and some of the things that can give you a higher chance of forming stones in children and obesity and the modern diet and modern life, then you may see some parallels. So if you were to ask me, I'd say there are a number of things going on. Um, children tend to drink a lot less water. Mm -hmm. They're busy, um, they're in school, they're not allowed to go to the bathroom or they don't wanna interrupt what they're doing. They tend to be more in a state of dehydration. Mm -hmm. And especially in South Florida, it's hot outside, yes. but it's dry inside, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you have that. Also life is very busy. And you know, families are more likely to use uh, packaged or processed foods, even with a healthy, good diet. Mm -hmm. And those foods tend to be higher and sodium and you're also then eating less fresh fruits and vegetables that have some of the things that we would consider inhibitors mm -hmm. of stone formation so not only are you potentially making things um, more likely to have high calcium or other minerals in the urine but you're also decreasing the chance of having things that will prevent the stones mm. um, I tell families that get very offended when I talk about sodium in the diet because they do People really do try to do what they can to keep their children healthy. But mm -hmm. people that say, you know, I only shop at certain places that only sell organic and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you look at your whole grain bread mm -hmm. and it says no chemical preservatives, mm -hmm. you turn it over. So many foods are preserved with sodium. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes. so that they really have to be educated to learn to read labels. Yes. Oh, boy. Most definitely. You know? Yes, yes. I'm a, definitely a, a, a believer and enthusiast in reading labels. I, it, I, I add usually 30 minutes to my shopping trip because I'm staying there reading the labels. Listen, when, I, uh, so when, I, when I went uh, vegan for 60, 62 days, I was told basically, 
if there's anything on it that you can't read and identify, you shouldn't be eating it. And that was pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, I remember I was in uh, one of the supermarkets and I just kind of just shrugged my shoulders and let out a deep sigh. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one more thing that I just wanted to stick in there because we're talking about mostly healthy children, but, but there's so many children now that are living f- from illnesses and conditions that they used to not survive. Right. So whether that's the teeny tiny babies from the newborn intensive care unit to babies with heart defects to children that survive cancer or live a relatively healthy and active life that have inflammatory bowel disease, things that mm-hmm. used to not make children get to the point mm-hmm. where they could develop kidney stones mm-hmm. have either exposure to medication and treatments or require treatment that puts them at high risk for kidney stones. So mm-hmm. that's another thing to keep in mind. It's not just that people are eating terrible food, right. not drinking and getting fat. Right. It's a matter of the society we live in, we're all busy, we're all doing the best we can mm-hmm. to keep kids healthy, mm-hmm. keep ourselves healthy. But mm-hmm. some there's some things that maybe we could learn to do better, but we don't know to do that unless we are, you know, someone hears like a podcast or something and (laughs) understands that there are things that they could maybe do better. Sure, sure. So let's talk about the symptoms of kidney stones. What what are typically the the top three to four symptoms of a child um, experiencing uh, kidney stones? So this is an excellent question because it depends on the age range of the child. So in like school-aged children, which we would call older children, so (laughs) school-aged children and adolescents, it tends to be more what you hear about classically for adults where they'll complain of side or flank pain, back pain, Mm. maybe some pain in their bladder, mm-hmm. um, urinary tract symptoms. Um, they have to go frequently. They see blood in their urine. It hurts when they're pee. Mm-hmm. Okay, and some of those patients um, may just have very high crystal load and not have actual stones, but it's still the same kind of thing. So again, those patients have stones. Now, in younger children, so kids maybe less than six, it's more likely to present as something like belly pain. Mm-hmm vomiting, frequent or painful urination, Mm -hmm. urinary accidents, some UTI symptoms, or just a tummy pain. And Mm -hmm. so these are things that could present from any kind of problem. Constipation, doesn't want to go to school, ate way too much broccoli, maybe not, but (laughs) anyway, those kind of things. (laughs) And and they may actually have an underlying stone, Mm -hmm. so it's not always a matter of someone missing a diagnosis there, but but kids can have just symptoms that don't tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you talk about infants having stones, mm. um, and they're not always diagnosed before they have a stone with a condition that can give them a stone. Mm-hmm. But some of those kids, again, it's the same as for any other problem. They may be fussy. They may be irritable. They may be spitting up more. Mm-hmm. They may be having belly pain and colic-like things where they drop their legs. So mm-hmm. it's it can be very challenging. Um, and so parents just have to be alert to the fact that if something's not quite right, mm-hmm. um, you still have your child evaluated, but it may be you know, something that you're not expecting, like a stone. Now, one more thing, some kids have no symptoms from their stones, and we just find them, and and I can't give you a percentage because it's really hard to say, but Mm -hmm. sometimes we just find stones when they're having imaging for something else. Like they go and they have an x-ray for something. Uh For I've I've seen kids that have stones all in their kidneys that are getting x-rays for, say, scoliosis Mm -hmm. evaluation or a chest x-ray or something like that, Mm -hmm. and they see the stones or an ultrasound for a different Mm -hmm. reason, and Mm -hmm. we find the stones. So Mm -hmm. they may have no symptoms at all. 
or, or, or a high threshold of uh, pain or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So now we have our, our audience there at the edge of their seat. You know, they've, they've heard. Oh, I can tell. They have heard. This is such an exciting, <laughs> it really is an exciting topic. It is. You know, it I'm is. a nerd and I <laughs> love pee. I tell kids liquid gold, but I, I tell pee. them, <laughs> drink, drink, drink. You know, if you've yes. had enough water to drink, if your pee is clear. Mm-hmm. If it's yellow, you need to drink little some more. more. Yes. Little so, more. Okay. Yes. Anyway. So with that being said, now that all our audience there at the edge of their seat, they're like, okay, well, you know, this, this, is, this is serious. Okay, and we, we did touch upon this with, you know, with nutrition a little bit, but let's, are kidney stones preventable? So the answer is yes and no. So some types of stones can be prevented. Mm-hmm. The large majority of the stones that we were talking about in healthy kids can be prevented um, or potentially prevented. Mm-hmm. And um, in, you know, in that case, it's a matter of high water intake. And when I say high, I mean what would be considered appropriate for someone, but it's much higher than what most of us drink. Mm. So I tell parents, for example, if your child was in the hospital and was going to have surgery and couldn't drink anything, the amount of IV fluid that we give them that's considered just basic maintenance, not even sweaty outside, is probably four or five times what they actually are drinking at home. So water. You know, not other drinks. You know, kids drink a lot of sugary drinks, oh, things yeah. with caffeine. And mm-hmm. while there's nothing wrong with things in small quantity, well, I'm not, not saying don't let your kids. And it's certainly not that kidney stones are caused by soda, because mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but, but water, okay? Mm-hmm. Drink plenty of water and eat healthy fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And again, when I say a low sodium diet, I'm talking about what's considered a healthy sodium diet. Mm-hmm. So at 2,000 milligrams per day, most Americans on the average diet, I'm not talking about the people that live at um, some of the chain restaurants where they get a week's worth of sodium in, 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 in a, a serving. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've been there, but yes, then you yeah. just drink more yeah. water. Right, right? Exactly. So, um, so, so a t- most Americans eat between, say, six and 10 grams of sodium a day, and healthy is two. If you, if you have normal blood pressure and all these things. And for kids, when we talk about restricting to 2,000 milligrams a day, in some families, it's a big um, undertaking. Mm-hmm. And really, if the whole family follows it, just like weight loss programs yes. and right. things, and, and it's actually healthy for the whole family. Yep. Mm-hmm. And very, very few exceptions. There's some you know medical conditions where those things don't apply. But just if you have nice, healthy kids, mm-hmm. do that. If you've had <laughs> kidney stones, mm-hmm. you know, and most people really mean well, but unlike it's not unlike women, especially in adults, women that they say women have a, another, a second baby because the baby, the pain from the delivery of the first one, they, they forget about. It's right. the same thing with stones. Okay. You know, at the time and during right. the six or eight months after, mm-hmm. everyone is very concerned. Very good, but then you and get then you get back to your regular busy, crazy, life. you know, yeah. overstressed, mm-hmm. overworked life. Yeah. And they forget. But if you can make it a habit to drink plenty of water, mm-hmm. they should have to pee at least every two hours because they need to go they've been drinking a lot okay okay? and then um be eat in moderation you know is that a rule of thumb for children as well as adults to urinate every two two hours yeah and here's here's that that's that's like a whole nother topic but some utis can cause kidney stones kidney stones depending on where they are can cause utis but um most kids when they get busy 
especially now, you know, they go to school and sometimes now before because mm-hmm. they get very involved in, in things. They don't want to stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and go to the bathroom. Yes. Most of us don't either. Yes, you know, it's inconvenient. Right. The school bathroom's gross. That's you don't want to take the time. Mm-hmm. You'd rather take five seconds to cram for that test mm-hmm. and, and get in there. But holding urine in, in children for more than two hours in their bladder can lead to all kinds of problems. And so it's such a, a prevalent um time frame that's thought to be healthy that they even make little watches that buzz every two hours oh. or b- vibrate or things like that so yeah it's it's a good idea and if they don't need to go when you take them every two hours then they're also not getting enough to drink mm. Mm-hmm. so so is there technically treatment for kidney stones i've always thought about kidney stones as you pass them they're really is no treatment if you have them so and that's that's an incredibly good point um that you know intelligent educated people that have good health care have that belief and understanding and so there's a difference between treating um a stone that's causing a problem so if a pain's if a stone's causing pain it's because it's either blocking Mm -hmm. part of the kidney or or the urinary tract or moving, Mm -hmm. when the stones are actually in the kidney itself, they Mm -hmm. may not cause any symptoms. So it's not just a pain tolerance thing. But anyway, so um, when you have an actual kidney stone causing pain and problems, the first phase of treatment is to deal with that stone in and of itself. And that may require IV fluids, other things, if it requires um, removal or actual breaking it up, and that happens in kids too, mm. then that's a urologist. Those are the surgeons, and they take care of that. So when they use when, the, is that when they use a laser? Um, some of them use a laser. Some of them in little kids, depending also on where mm. it is, they may actually have to open it up and get it out. But um, the thing is, is that that's, that's treating that problem, but what, what you really need to do is have a good nephrology evaluation to figure out what caused the stone to try to prevent them in the future. Right. And that dovetails into the, the question that I wanted to ask is that uh, you've diagnosed with a kidney stone, uh, it's passed or it's been removed. Can it come back? Is it, can it become a chronic condition? It definitely can. And so um, in some children where they would be extremely preventable they do come back for the same reason i said you know either either the child decides they're not going to cooperate mm-hmm. or um people get busy and forget right. and they come back and and some um kids just like adults will form stones much more quickly than other people mm-hmm. okay so it's not just a matter of some people never get another stone because they're being any better about their diet or mm-hmm. adherence mm-hmm. but there's a very good chance that a stone will come back. Like in adults, they say if you've mm-hmm. had one stone, you have a 70 to 80% chance yes. of having another one, oh, wow. unless you deal with the underlying thing. And I've, I have a lot of parents because one of the things that can predict stone formation in children is if they've had family members with stones, either because of whatever the underlying disease is that causes mm-hmm. stone or just their kidneys handle calcium abnormally because of a genetic thing. So. Mm. Um, they will often come back. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, sometimes, no. If you find a stone because there's a structural problem with the urinary tract mm-hmm. and that is fixed surgically, mm-hmm. then they may never get another stone. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was due to a horrible infection and they get no more infections, mm-hmm. that. But there's more chance that it will come back unless you evaluate what caused it in the first place mm-hmm. and try to deal with the actual root causes. So you mentioned um, that several different types of 
other medical conditions could be an indicator of um, kidney stones. So are kidney stones an indication of other underlying diseases like heart disease or low b bone density, osteoporosis, or chronic kidney disease? So there's a yes and no there. So there are some children that have, so any child that I see that has had kidney stones um, gets an evaluation for some of the th other disease processes in the body. As we said, everything's interconnected, even though I truly believe the kidneys are the most important organ in the whole body. Of course, of course. And I teach little kids that see a cardiologist, depending on the cardiologist, to tell them <laughs> that the heart's a nice pump to keep the kidneys happy. <laughs> right. But anyway, um, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, there are certain underlying physical disorders, whether it's an endocrine disorder like hyperparathyroidism or inflammatory bowel disease that, that can put you in a situation that causes the kidney stone. You may also have a urinary tract abnormality, a structural problem that causes the kidney stone, but you find the kidney stone. So you need to evaluate children for these things, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the second answer to that is that patients that have kidney stones may develop other problems if they're, for example, losing an incredible amount of calcium in their urine, mm -hmm. then that, as we said, the calcium has to come from somewhere. Right. Um, it's doubtful that it's coming all from diet. And, and so children that have um, high urine calcium, mm -hmm. what we would call idiopathic mm -hmm. hypercalciuria. So even on a low sodium diet, mm -hmm. they have high urine calcium, mm -hmm. okay? They can have their stones prevented, and they often have multiple family members with that problem. Mm -hmm. um, but if they have no other cause for that, in other words, they don't have hyperparathyroidism or some other problem, then um, the calcium eventually has to come from somewhere and all of those kids need an evaluation for bone disease. Mm -hmm. um, if they have, say, hyperparathyroidism, so that means that the the endocrine organ um, that's in the neck, next to the thyroid, people mostly know about thyroids, mm -hmm. right? Parathyroid means next to the thyroid. Okay. They help regulate calcium balance, okay? So if those um, organs have a problem where they're making a lot of the hormone, then your calcium gets very high released from bone and gets dumped in the urine. So there's mm -hmm. importance to not only figuring out what causes stone, but if there's something that caused the problem that causes stone. Wow, wow. Chain reaction. Wow. Yes. That, that's, yeah. I mean, you've dropped a knowledge bomb on myself, absolutely, I believe, Bahati as well, and yes. our listeners. If, um, with everything you've said, is there anything you want to condense or any takeaways that you want to give parents um, about, you know, preventable this and... So, um, yeah, I would say a couple of things, one prevention and one something else. So as far as prevention goes, a lot of the things I've stressed have been things that would be healthy for any child mm -hmm. unless they have some specific underlying disorder that, that would restrict their fluid mm -hmm. or, or have them on a special diet. But other than that, a healthy diet with a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, lower sodium, and lots of water, okay? Mm -hmm is a good way to prevent a lot of problems, including potentially kidney stones. Mm -hmm. um, I would also tell parents that if you have a child that has a pain or a problem, whether it is something that you can put your finger on or not, um, and it doesn't respond to treatment or doesn't seem to 
um, really get better, it gets better and keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. For example, kids with UTI symptoms, their doctors treat them, they feel better for a little while, but they keep getting symptoms, but the cultures aren't positive. In those children, just talk to your pediatrician mm -hmm. or your family medicine doctor and say, I'd really like to see a specialist to figure out what's going on, mm -hmm. okay? Because I think most parents, I'd say, the majority of parents really know their children best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They all want in their hearts to do the best thing for their children. Absolutely. And if there's something not quite right with the way their child is having a problem, even if the diet problem has already been diagnosed correctly, someone else may be able, like a specialist, give them additional information that will help their child and help their mm -hmm. family life. Excellent, so. excellent. Well, Dr. Boydson, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Share it with others and like the Jordan Mahalo Children's Hospital Facebook page.